Hey guys, it's Annika and Jude, and welcome back to another episode of The Truth of Youth. We are really excited to be back today, and we are going to be talking about something a bit more serious, um, the ongoing protests in Iran. So tensions have been rising in Iran over the past year especially, and we're first going to discuss some background information about why the protests are happening, and then we're going to move into a discussion about some more specific topics surrounding the protests. The goal of this episode is to provide some basic information about what is happening and why it's so important to be aware of global conflicts such as this. Um, and we're also going to provide some of our own insight as members of Gen Z. But before we start, as always, we have to catch up. So how have things been going, Jude? Honestly, it's been a, an interesting few weeks. So right before Christmas break in our school, I was sick. So I missed from Wednesday to Friday that week. It was two weeks and I went to England. I came back from England. I hadn't been feeling that great, but I thought it was just like I was run down from traveling. Then on Friday when I was rowing, I like basically passed out after my rowing thing because um, we've been doing this sprint workout and I basically just like couldn't breathe. Um, then traveled up to Vermont, woke up feeling even worse, tested positive for COVID three weeks after I'd already gotten sick, um, was out of school Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, went back to school Thursday, um, made up a quiz, made up a test, was studying and making up work all week. And then, yeah, so that sort of happened, which was a bit hectic. But then I did have a good Saturday because I went to the, I went to MoMA, I went to the Museum of Modern Art, and I saw the Guillermo del Toro exhibit. Um, and I also saw Starry Night. They have the painting right now. Oh, and I think awesome. it's usually in France, but yeah. What about you, Annika? Um, well, thankfully I haven't been sick. I've been avoiding like all the sicknesses going around, but honestly not much has happened since we last recorded an episode. I just feel like I've been so busy with like school and then fencing because that's a big time commitment too. Mm. Um, but yeah, other than that, just like nothing much is happening, hanging out with friends on the weekends and trying to get work done, but that's about it. Nothing too interesting. Yeah. No, um, I guess I think hopefully my hope is, is that for us, the semester just ended. And so hopefully next week, I think I have like a test, but I hopefully because it's the start of a new semester, like there's not going to be too much going on next week. But yeah, for sure. I think that the mind. weeks right before break were bad, but now that the semester is just the second semester starting again, I think that we're, they're going to not going to be too much work, um, which is good. Yeah. Um, so we definitely did not forget our question of the day, which is a series that we started last episode. So this time I'm going to let Jude read it. So I'm just going to hold it up to him. Um, if you had a warning label, what would it say? I feel like this is like the type of thing that we need to answer for each other because I don't know if I'm like self-reflective enough to think of something for myself. Um, okay, for you, I would say like warning speaks his mind. That's what I would oh, say. Oh, well, I feel like if we're gonna, I, I would definitely say that, yeah. Overshares doesn't, <laughs> I don't have a filter. Um, okay, I don't know. Um, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like for you, it would be like, um, I don't know how to word this really well, 
but like you look really serious but mm-hmm. once you get to know you more like you're not as you're not as serious as you look you know what I'm saying yeah so like warning not as mean as she looks or like you know I have like an RBF but it's not really like who I am on the inside that type of thing yeah. well, when, once you get to once you peel back the layers yeah she's like an onion um, my sister has a terrible RBF. She has a really bad RBF. She looks extremely angry. Okay, okay, are you ready to get into the episode? Yeah, dude, let's do it. As we said before, in order to have this discussion, it is really important that we understand why this is happening to begin with. Absolutely. So the protests have been fueled by numerous conflicts within the country, not only just the fight for women's rights, and much of the rising tension has been due to the supreme leader of Iran, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei. He impacted the economy by implementing his resistance economy, in which he lessened their dependence on oil and relied more heavily on internal markets. His controversial decisions regarding Iran's economy ignited the flame within many Iranians and prompted them to protest. Khamenei was also insistent on preserving a theocratic government with Islamic principles at the forefront, and most people pinpoint the death of Mahasa Amini as the reason for the protests, and this definitely did play a crucial role. Amini was arrested and later killed by the morality police for not appropriately wearing her headscarf, prompting many of the protests. The protests have been both peaceful and violent, sometimes resulting in many deaths. So now we've gone over some background information. We can get into our three Truth of Today questions. Annika, how about you read the first one? For sure. So given that this is a generational perspective podcast, I think that the question of what role Gen Z plays in the protests in Iran is a really important question that we should discuss. So um, this kind of applies to the Gen Z in Iran and also Gen Z in the United States and how they're playing a role. Yeah, so I actually did an interview with someone who has family in Iran um, and has gone back to Iran probably cumulatively for two years of her life. Um, And really, I did this for a school project a while ago. And what she was saying about, um, about these protests is basically in Iran, there was this regime was established in 1979 and before that Iran was basically a carbon copy and that's her quote of the west um you know girls were walking around in miniskirts expressing themselves how they want to same for men and obviously it wasn't perfect like any no place is but there was a lot of freedom and it really just wasn't anything like it was today and there's lots of people in Iran who have seen both pre-1979 Iran and post-1979 Iran but um but really the thing that's interesting about these protests is most of the protests are being held by students it's really been carried by the students of Iran and they've never known what it was like to have the freedom um, of the people in Iran before 1979. Yeah. And so, you know, this was a change that happened virtually overnight because there was basically people who decided that that 
there was too much freedom. It was almost offensive to their principles. And that's what basically caused this um, really sudden, very polar change in the country. Mm-hmm. And so now this, um, the young population of Iran, which is a very well-educated population, you know, a lot of the the majority of the college students are women. So the difference is, is that they are, women are oppressed and the population does not have that much freedom, but they're educated. So they know what's going on. They understand what, like that they are being oppressed. They understand that they don't have the freedoms that they might want. And so that's sort of why this Gen Z, these students know that they want to see change and they know that they can't stand to see people like Masa Amini murdered. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the other thing is that we can definitely talk about the impact of social media, which plays a role in all generations, but I think it's especially prevalent in Gen Z. Uh, You can just see by, we've talked about this before, about our own reliance on social media. So I think that even though they've never experienced how life could be different, like you've said, I think that the fact that they can see it on social media and it's important to note that the media is censored in Iran but they are still able to have access to seeing how life is like per se in the U.S. and like you said it's not perfect but you know girls here have the freedom to walk around and dress how they please so I think that the idea that life could be different for them is a great reason why they are pushing forward through these protests and like kind of at the forefront of them But then, you know, when you're talking about how they've never known anything different, it kind of got me on the question of the next generation, like our parents' generation, if they've known that life could be different, it kind of makes you wonder why they aren't at the forefront of these protests. Yeah, I mean, I think that part of it is almost just like they've seen what the protests can erupt into. Obviously, there's violence, there's people, you know, Iranian soldiers have fired into crowds lots of people have died in protests like this and if you know that and if you've seen that and if you've spent the majority of your life in that sort of um, environment where protests sort of emerge every six like five six ten years um, that really does probably make you cautious as to going out into a protest like that but the interesting thing about the current protests is it's not just a women's rights yeah. um, issue anymore. It's turned into a full, um, a full blown like regime change pushback mm-hmm. against the current government movement, and so that's really just also united people of different ages, you know, socioeconomic status. Yeah, I, I definitely, like, when I've been doing some research about the protests, I a lot of people have said it just united Iran as a country, because, you know, before there were some pretty distinct class divisions, but because of so many of the economic problems, as well as the social um, issues, people of, like you said, all different genders, you know, ethnicities, everything, they've come together, because each person is impacted by the regime in a unique way and they all feel that they need change. So I think, while obviously we're saying Gen Z is at the forefront of the of the protest, which is true. There are people of other generations, you know, different people involved, but it is interesting that Gen Z is definitely at the forefront. And then while we're on the topic of this, I think that 
Gen Z in the United States also does play a role. And we've talked about the role of performative activism. So I don't know, Jude, do you think that, I don't know if I see so many people are in our generation posting like on Instagram about um, the protests in Iran, but have you? Honestly, I haven't particularly. I don't spend nearly as much time on social media as I used to. I've really been trying to cut back just yeah. personal reasons, I guess. Um, but I haven't seen that much about it. I've read a lot about it. I've done a lot of research on it, but I haven't seen that much. I do think there's there's definitely probably, obviously, because there's social media algorithms, like it's hard to... I'm sure if you got on the right track, you would see a lot about what's going on in Iran in on your social media. But there would be a lot of performative activism because spreading awareness is important, but a lot of it, like, that doesn't necessarily mean you're making change. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, but, I mean, like, I just, it's been one of those issues where, like, let's keep in mind, this is very personal to my specific Instagram feed, who I'm following, who follows me but I haven't seen many people posting on their stories for anything like this compared to things like, I don't know, like specific current events in the past. I've definitely seen like a large variety, not as many people posting for this. So, you know, it's kind of curious, maybe it's just because this has been going on for a while. You know, this isn't just one specific instance. It's been going on for a long time. So people kind of lost their, their fire, their fuel to continue posting, but. It's almost like, I think the biggest example I can think of is when there was like sort of like a wildfire of performative activism was right after when George Floyd had been killed. Um, On TikTok, there was just this massive, there was like a trend and everything and a song that people were playing and saying like they supported the BLM movement, but it lasted a couple months and then disappeared. And it was like all of these like people who were properly like advocating and like trying to make change and protesting they had said look you guys can you guys can say that you're activists but you know from past experience you this will die down like this this whole big support thing is going to go away really quickly and it did um and so and i i bet you like you know this has been going on since september um the protests and i bet and i do remember seeing quite a lot about it in september but it's died down a lot so i think it definitely, it speaks to how social media can be such a powerful, but also detrimental tool because a lot of people get their news and their current event information from social media. I know I used to, it's definitely been more recent that I've started actually like looking things up, even on like the New York Times app, just things like that to stay informed. So it is, it's kind of dangerous, the fact that social media, you know, it, as soon as somebody loses fuel, they stop, you know, they stop trying to post for these uh, really important current events. People might forget that they exist. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, our next question, uh, protests have resulted in numerous deaths. So is it possible to find another way to resist and protest that wouldn't be so casualty heavy? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've read a lot of things where people not even directly involved in the protests have died almost as collateral damage, even if they're not, you know, specifically fighting for the cause, which obviously is like really upsetting to hear. And even the people who are directly involved in the protests when things get violent and they unfortunately are killed, it's horrible to hear. I do believe that the protests are able to embarrass the Iranian regime in a way that very few other forms of resistance could do. So I think in that aspect, it's very beneficial. 
And then also, I think it's pretty powerful and inspirational, not just to those partaking in the protest, but to those across the world when they see people standing up and doing this. I think that protests in general have been able to spread this very powerful message, whether people think that they're effective or not, that's up to you. But I think that they are, they're an inspirational tool is what I would say. Yeah, and but I also think that it's important to mention that people are killed in nonviolent peaceful protests as well as as more like as basically riots. So while there have been riots and things like that in Iran, people have still been killed outside of that, outside yeah. of a riot. And I think that sort of means that it, it speaks more to why they protest. If people can can be not involved in a in a riot or a protest or even there's not a riot going on and be killed, um sort of in an unprovoked way, like Masa Amini was, um, that sort of speaks to why there is such a big issue with the whole system itself in Iran. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sure. And then like I even saw um, that, you know, there's different forms of protests. Obviously, we talked about peaceful and like more riots, but some women resorted to cutting their hair off in the streets to send a message. So these types of, you know, very like impactful, powerful messages, they stick with you. And I think that they do send a message to those in Iran and also to the regime. Um, but I also think that this in general speaks to like a broader question of are protests effective in general, like when the BLM movement was going on, like, I even went to a Black Lives Matter protest. And while I was there, I was kind of thinking, you know, is this effective or like, is this to make myself feel better or like what's going on? Yeah, you're, it's easy to think about what you're achieving when you're, what like, what is the what is the end goal? Yeah. Um, and that's something that was also talked about in that interview I was talking about with, um, her name was Reese Sultani, but she was saying how she doesn't know if this, string of protests is the end of the regime because when you are looking to eradicate something and then build something new out of it you need a leader you need something a real opposition to take form and that hasn't happened in Iran exactly because I think that like even the resistance, the people who are fighting back, there's no specific leader. Like there are groups of people who you know are taking charge, but there's no one person who's at the forefront of this resistance who could in theory take power after the regime falls. So in that sense, it's like, there's no plan of what would happen after, which I think is important to have. Yeah. And in, you know, I, I would say the difference in the US is you can protest and then you can talk to your local politician like congress member right yeah and get legislation to be pushed that doesn't always work like i'm not saying that that's a foolproof plan like there's really no way to guarantee that because you want change to happen you can concretely like 100 make it happen but at least you have a chance that that sort of government doesn't exist in iran so that's why there needs to be an opposition leader a full like you know people are calling it the revolution but it 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 needs there needs to be a leader there needs to be even if it's not a singular person there needs to be like a really a defined opposition which yeah. hasn't happened for sure all right 
Um, so I think that that really nicely leads us to our last question, which is what can we do to help meaning people um, in the United States, both Gen Z and other generations? So we're really far away, obviously, from the scene. So is social media the only outlet that we can use to show our support? And is there any other way that we can kind of help what's going on there, given our distance? I think it's really hard. Not only are is there you know media there's a lot of media censorship in iran there's a really constant um push from the government to block off apps that sort of make it easy for things like the protests to to be organized and for people to communicate and the the interesting thing about that is that it really does break it up because even if people know how to get around that, like using a VPN. Not everyone knows how to go and use a VPN to continue using an app or something like that has been blocked mm -hmm. in Iran. And so it is really hard to, <clears throat> it's really hard to get a full picture of what's going on in Iran and get a full picture of what the people need when that's happening. It's yeah. really hard to report from inside Iran as well. And it has been for a while because also people who who will travel back to Iran to to see family like um, <clears throat> like the person I interviewed, Ri Sultani, who's a first generation immigrant, her dad, who will go back really often, has been told many times, like, don't come back, like it's dangerous, like right now is a really bad time and things like that. And really that and you know it just makes it really hard to get a full picture from what's going on inside Iran and so I honestly I'm sometimes like stumped as to what you can do because even yeah. my mom <clears throat> who works with um refugees and displaced people like it's such a different situation in Iran and so like her charity isn't there because it's not like their place to be there obviously and so like if it was something it's like it's a whole different beast compared to like people who have been displaced by war, people who have been, you know, forced from their homes because of many different crises. This is a different crisis altogether, and it makes it really hard to know what to do, um, which is, again, sort of brings us back to does will an opposition take form? And that's sort of like the solution to the problems, which sort of like is internal and the people of Iran will find a solution to. It's sort of hard to say. Yeah. I mean, like, there's, whenever there's a crisis, a lot of times people will say, oh, write to your local political representative, and then they can make a change. But I think that a lot of the times, those things can get lost in, like, the grand scheme of things. And, like, you know, they never really end up doing anything. I mean, it, there's no harm in trying to write to somebody to get your point across. But, like, I think a lot of people don't think that that's going to do anything. So that kind of dissuades them from even trying. But then the other thing is that, a lot of people have been saying if other nations, including the United States, um, kind of cut off trade with Iran, then that could, you know, result in the regime kind of caving, you know, listening more to their citizens. But when I was thinking about that, it was like that really negatively impacts everyone in Iran, though, those who are protesting yeah. included. So it's kind of it's like there's no real clear answer here because every single solution that we think of negatively impacts a group of people even if those are not the group of people that we're trying to um negatively impact so it's really hard i mean there's even like i read something about 
somebody trying to organize like a global rally on one day. Um, so people from across the world, like rallying at one specific time um, mm -hmm. for the protests in Iran, but obviously things like that, like it's kind of brings back to the point, like what is that gonna do? Like other than bring attention to the cause, which is important and people in Iran, when they protest, they embarrass the regime. At what point is that gonna do anything? Is the regime ever gonna cave? So I feel yeah. like it's really hard to do anything when we're so far away. And like you said, we can't really understand what they need at this time. Yeah, and the thing you said about, about um, you know, the, the protests, which was interesting is, the US has already put a lot of sanctions on their trade with Iran. And so there is a lot of inflation. So there's a lot, there's a lot of unsettling, like the people of Iran are already unsettled by like this inflation and by the the financial troubles that they're experiencing. And so it's sort of, you know, it, it really is like, what do you do? It's very, it's, it, you know, it, like it, a it lose, feels like a lose-lose situation in a sense. Yeah. So yeah. um, And I just feel like, even when we do resort to social media, in my opinion, it can feel like it's just comforting us to make us feel like we're helping when in fact we may not be. And, you know, maybe eventually social media will be a platform which really, really does help. But I think about when we're so far away, posting on our Instagram stories in the grand scheme of things isn't going to do much except for comfort ourselves and make it feel like we're doing something. But yeah. Yeah. I actually, you know, I really enjoyed today's discussion, especially because I think both of us have done a lot of reading and research for it. And I think yeah. that makes it really interesting. I um, think we both, yeah, I think people definitely talk about it still, but I think that it's less so now. So I'm hoping that this episode can either, you know, get that thought back in people's heads that this is still something going, like still something important that we need to talk about, or it can, you know, add new information to people who may not have known as much about it. So I really hope that this was both a helpful and informative episode. It definitely was more of a serious topic. Yeah, definitely more serious than the last one. Um, you know, if you have any questions, um, comments, ideas, if you think that we miss like an important point that would like please tell us and we would love to to hear from you and you know you can find us if you we have a website the truth of youth if you you can basically just put the truth of youth in social media and you'll find us but yeah we'd love to hear from you guys um and thank you so much for listening yeah we'll see you guys next time bye